Welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today, for the love of the run, with Carolyn Sue, our monthly collaboration brought to you by Tracksmith. We're going to talk about Tracksmith in a little bit. Exciting stuff over there. Introducing a new running shoe that has some hallmarks of some really top-level shoes, which I'm really excited to talk about. Also, I'm excited to give it a try, but there are certain things about that shoe that you know are going to work, and I'm so excited to talk about it. But before we do, Carolyn, how you doing? Hello, hello. Uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. It's like noontime almost, but I feel like I'm still trying to wake up. I'm on my third cup of coffee right now. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So, I almost I almost brewed another uh, one. I almost did. That How many is cups the kind of coffee of do you go through in a day? What's, what's the normal um, range? Well, if I'm brewing it at home, we have a Keurig. So it's just little eight ounce cups at a time. And that'll be like two or three cups. But then if I happen to be out if I take the dog out to like a trail or something in the morning, then I'll pick up a Starbucks grande dark roast. And I don't know what it is. Maybe their brews in the, in the shops are just stronger or something. But I feel like I go through like half of one of those grande cups and I'm already like charged and ready for the week kind of a feeling. So I'm trying to get that same level of being alive with my home cure eggs, but it's just it not the happen. same. It's not going to happen. The Keurig's so, super convenient. I just feel yeah. like it doesn't have, it definitely doesn't have like the hot water, the kick, the amount of grounds you would need, right? It's yeah. almost like you want to be like, all right, I want to get the most out of this. I'll put it at like the 10 ounce setting so I can fill my cup. You have a huge coffee mug. There's no way Keurig's filling that. I just saw it. It's enormous. But like, I'm almost like, when I have a Keurig, I'm almost like, decided to put it at like six ounces. So it was like, it's stronger. To get it more concentrated? Yeah. Yeah, I don't but think I'm a it huge works that way. I have like I have two to four cups a day, so I'm I'm into it. And I used to drink way more than that when I was at like office jobs because it's like Oof. just free coffee, right? Oh, I mean, it's, it's just, just like, there. I was, lost, I was now forgetting his name. There was um, I was watching a Netflix um, stand up comedy show the other day, <laughs> and it was I love Netflix stand up comedy shows. It was uh, <laughs> actually it was um this gentleman, this Asian gentleman with super long hair, actually oh. Ali Wong, like. I was watching that one too. Shoot, what was his name? Shen Wang, is that it? Yes. Oh, uh, something like that. (laughs) Sorry, I'm I'm just trying to cover the name, people. If I if I got it wrong, please excuse me. (laughs) Um, I feel like I feel like I'm close though. Anyway, the reason I brought it up is that he has this whole riff. If you're gonna watch this later, I'm sorry to like you know spoil the joke for you. But Carolyn's giving me a thumbs up. I got it. I got the name right. (laughs) Um, He has this whole joke. He worked in an office. Like it was like. Yeah, it was like one of the things that he would do, like to basically counteract the fact that he didn't want to be there. He didn't like the job and like he just felt like he was underpaid was like, all right, I'm just going to use this copier for all it's worth. Like basically that was like the deal. So his job, his, I think one of his best lines was like, they're like, oh, can you work in on, can you work on Saturday? Oh, also you have to work on Sunday this weekend. He's like, in his head, he's like, all right, fools, I guess I'll have to auto publish my whole Gmail account this weekend on your printer. Um, I basically took that kind of approach to like coffee makers at various jobs. I was like, I, I'm at least going to drink my, my like busy drink my weight in coffee if I'm going to be here. Yeah. I, for real, one of my friends, when we were fresh out of college, um, during one of her job interviews, one of the so-called benefits that that job offered was that they had snacks 
they had snacks in the kitchen. And my friend was like, no, but healthcare benefits. Right. We need that too. But yeah, no, I think that's how they get you, right? All the coffee, all the snacks. There are some places in Boston now that also give all the kombucha, like fresh kombucha on tap. I think Inside <laughs> Tracker it. is one of those places. I have been to the really? Inside Tracker. Oh. And like they have taps in there, and I don't think it's alcohol. So I think it's like nitro coffee and kombucha. I don't know. That was pre COVID. So I don't know if that, was, that stuff is still there. Mm. Um, but no, that that's funny. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we have free snacks. We're like, yes. Yeah, but how about some more money, please? Or like healthcare, <laughs> yeah. right? That's like being a parent and being like, your kid being like, but daddy, can you just love me? You're like, well, I bought Cheez-Its. What else do you want? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yes. anyway, it's a beautiful day. I see the sun behind you. I'm in my basement right now, but I was outside running today. We had that false fall for a couple of weeks here in New England. <laughs> it was so nice. Uh, about 70 degrees today, which also, I'm not going to lie. I like this. I like the cool mornings going into like a warmer afternoon. I feel like you get the best of both worlds. Um yeah. We're doing that, and I got to be honest, I'm I'm now, it's about to start tapering, Carolyn Sue. Yes, I wanted to ask and hear about your training, because the last time we talked, you were on the fence, if you were going to do either the half, it's the Rhode Island Marathon, right? I, yeah, either so you're going to do the, the half the or the full. Right. I, I've missed I've misnamed this marathon so many times like the executive director actually listens to this podcast and he finally was like, Hey, here's the name of the podcast. Here's the name of the marathon. Just so you're yes. just so you're aware. Please get it right. <laughs> I, I get it wrong every single time I brought it up, either in print or here on the podcast. It's the Ocean State Marathon, is what it's right. called. Um yeah, so I wasn't sure I was doing the half of the full. So that is on October twenty third, which is <gasps> rapidly approaching. That's like in two weeks. I know. I know, okay, man. so what's your training been like, and what did you decide? Which so, distance are you going to run? Doing the full. <gasps> okay. Doing the full. And, and I'm not feeling great about it, oh, but I'm what? doing it anyway. Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. Back up. Then what was the thought process? Like, how did you decide to go for the full? Well, I think that I I, I feel like I can I can run the 26. Yeah, so yeah. I do feel like I can do it. And I'm not in a position where it's not like CIM a couple years ago where I was like, all right, like I know the test 10K is going to be a joke, but I'm already here. What the hell? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, this is a hometown race for me. I live 30 minutes from the starting line. Like if I didn't want to run it, nothing that would stop, you know, make me do it. You know, it's not like, all right, it's not like, hey, I already flew 3,000 miles. I guess I'm doing it. Um, yeah. So there's that element of like, I know I can run the 26. Um, I am not quite where, like, I'm not as fit as I was in the, in the spring. I'm not I'm definitely not as strong. My long runs haven't been as good. I haven't had as many long runs. Um, I did my um, my pre-marathon time trial, which is, like, a staple of, of, of the training that I like to do with my athletes and, it's like, I like to do as well. So, like, I did, like, a five-mile time trial last year, 10 days out, and I think I held, like, seven-minute pace for that, which was great. Uh, well, not great, but it was, like... Every, Nothing's good or bad, but it was like for me, I was like, I was excited by that. Okay, so yeah, like, all right, yeah, that's there's good. a good, there's good for you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like this year is like a good example. Again, I'm not going to dive completely into it, but like you know, this year, my average was like seven nineteen for a ten k. So like objectively, like not quite as fit as I was in the spring, but I also knew that going in wasn't I wasn't surprised by my effort. I actually, I thought I executed the time trial really well. I was happy with how I paced myself and I worked hard. So all that was positive. Um, so I'm going into it basically like if you take 
like that pace, like 719, you put it into some marathon calculators and stuff. And I, I did a podcast about this a couple of weeks ago of like the differences between different calculators. And I actually did a full article on Relay about this as well, like how to how to choose which calculator, um, depending on the kind of runner you are. There's certain ones that work better for, for different people. And I did a whole breakdown on that with like Excel sheets and all that stuff. But basically for me, I wasn't, I'm not in a position to like max out like my projected marathon pace, right? Some people put their, put that into a calculator and be like, okay, it says, you know, whatever. I think this one, it depends which one you use. Basically, it's between like a 331 and a 335 for most, right? In terms of if you took that 10K time. I'm not at that strength level from my like lack of long runs and just my training hasn't been great. So I'm probably going to be more like the 340, 345 group. So I'll basically be starting out the first 10 miles at kind of similar to like, not my normal easy pace, but not a whole lot slow, not a whole lot faster than my normal easy pace. And then I'll kind of take it from there. So I'm excited about it. And I'm basically thinking about it as like a, a big stimulus from like basically to me like a training run in a way. Like okay. this could be a really good stimulus for for later training cycles, right? And stuff like that, right? So people who, you know, train for ultras, it's like you get in your 50K, then you get in your 50 miles and you get in your 100K and then you kind of build up and up and up. I'm kind of taking that kind of approach to this where I'm not even thinking about it as a race. It's more of like, mm -hmm. you know, a really big training day. So that's, that's how I'm approaching it. And I think that ultimately fingers crossed that that will lead to a good experience. Wow. All right. Okay. Okay. So are you um, building up? Do you have something in mind that you're kind of building up towards if you're viewing this as more of a training run? Like, are you hoping to do an ultra in the spring or no, sometime next year? No, not really. Like, I have a hard enough time doing marathons. Like, <laughs> I feel like, feel like, you know what? I need to be an ultra runner. It's like, dude, you can't even run a marathon. What are you talking about being an ultra runner? Um, like, that would really be doubling down <laughs> on, on my weaknesses. But I would say, no, it's more just like getting myself ready to like race a marathon. Like, I just have, okay. I'm, instead of being like trying to, fit like a square peg into a round hole. Like I am not ready to race marathon, but this doesn't mean I shouldn't run a marathon. Just like, all right, let me just approach it a different way. So um, I think that's how I'm going to do okay. it. And, you know, in terms of it, you know, setting myself, setting me up for a future endeavor, you know, like I, that's kind of to be determined. I mean, some, some, something in the spring or whatever, but I think ultimately just like having those days helps. And I think yeah. that one of the things I'm going to yeah. do a whole podcast about this um, in the next week or so is I just think like the key that I've seen as a coach, because I had a, some a lot athletes over the last two weeks, like massive PRs, like a mm. bunch of marathoners have a massive PRs. We're talking like nineteen minutes, seventeen minutes, fourteen minutes, twelve minutes. Like it that's was a string of them. And the biggest thing <clears throat> was wasn't like what we did in in the twelve week buildup. It just wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't a whole lot different than what we'd done in the past, and what basically any other coach would do, right? You take your current fitness and you kind of build on it a little bit by little bit, with an aim towards being able to hold marathon pace. Like any coach can do that. That's not rocket science. I think for the big thing was those, those individuals who did PR, they all had a very similar, basically non-marathon running cycle training, and that was they kept running long runs that were an hour and forty-five minutes to two hours all year long. Uh, right. Yeah. So they didn't yeah. hit like their peak mileage every week, but on the weekends or whatever, whenever they did their long runs, like that was a consistent theme it was like, hey, yeah. when we we're this is the, the, the staple of our training is getting in those hour and 45 minute to two hour runs. I don't even care what the pace is, just being used to that so that when marathon training comes, 
your body is used to those longer efforts so that you can really maximize those long runs yeah. that you do. Right. So you're not like, oh, my God, I'm trying to build up 18 miles. It seems so long and I'm, I'm wrecked by the end of it. It's like, no, this is just a, nor- a fairly normal thing. That means layering in the marathon miles is easier. Marathon pace mm-hmm. miles are easier. Mm-hmm. Also, it can mean if someone's a little bit on the faster side, being able to stay in that 20 to 22 mile range for several weeks from the long run perspective. Again, if you're a four hour marathon or an up, like that's probably gonna be too much time on feet to be going out there doing 22 miles on a long on a long run where you're averaging like 10 minute mile pace. But for someone who's maybe in the more of like seven fifteen mile pace or faster for your marathon pace, hovering in that 20 to 22 range for several weeks is, is a huge benefit. And I think the only way to really do that is to make sure that you're doing those non-marathon cycle long runs still in that two-hour range because it just helps build that lifetime strength. It makes you a stronger runner. And it means that when you put in the marathon pace miles in your training cycle, you're able to you know still like really hit it and, and not be completely wrecked afterwards. And I guess the last thing I'm just gonna say here is that not following certain formulas. Sometimes you see formulas that are like, that kind of lend themselves to round numbers, which like should be a red flag for anybody. Someone's like, all right, you should only increase your mileage by 10% each week. It's like, why 10%? It's obviously because it's a round number. <laughs> That's the reason you're using it. It's not it. because like, there's like, some research, research-based. Sure <laughs> well, like, there, there is research. First of all, like, the 10% rule is not hard and fast. Like, people just use it as a, as a catch-all. It's easy to remember. 10%. It's easy to remember. Like, why is it 11.5%, right? Like, like that, you know what I mean? Like, when you see those round numbers, I think you automatically have to be like, okay, is this, they're using this because it's science-based or is it because it's easy to remember and it's close enough to most people, right? So it's easy to generalize. Another thing you'll see is like people will say, okay, you're, and I've seen different stats on this um, in terms of like obvious generalities, but like your long run should never be more than 15% or 20% of your weekly mileage. It's like, that's not, it's it's easy to say because it's a round number, but like, no. Like, that's just not true. Like, that, all right, so, like, so the only people who should run a 20-mile long run are people who are putting in over 80 miles a week? Like, no, that's not true. It's just, it's flatly incorrect, right? Like, there's going to be plenty of people who are going to do their long run. It's going to be 35 to 40% of their weekly mileage. Like, what, what would this mean for an ultra runner, right? Mm-hmm. Unless someone's training for an ultra. Like, you know what I mean? Good so point, I yeah. think sometimes mm-hmm. you see these round number you know, talking points. I think we should automatically be like, okay, if it's a round number talking point, obviously you're saying this for a a memorization trick in a way, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, is it really science-based? And I think for the most part, people, I think the 10% rule is nice. If anything, it, it, more, it, it goes more towards the conservative side of things, right? Same thing with this long-range percent rule. I think most people would say like, not only is there a lot of gray area, but there are like striking exceptions to those rules that actually apply to a lot of people. So I think this is one of those things where um, where maybe a lot of people who don't have a coach may be thinking like, all right, in the off season, I should really scale with my long runs down because I don't want it to be like too much of my weekly mileage. But if you've already put in that kind of mileage, it's different than if like you're just building into it for the first time in your life. Like if you're going couch to marathon, yeah, maybe you don't want your long run being 50% of your mileage because that might be a, a stress, too much of a stress on you, right? But if you're coming off a marathon cycle and you run a lot of marathons in a, an hour and a half to two hour long run, even if you're only putting in 40 miles a week or 30 miles a week, might not be that big of a deal because you've already done it for years, so I think that there is so much gray area and exceptions to the rule that I think ultimately people 
beg off those longer runs off cycle. And I think ultimately that can be a huge detriment when you actually get into marathon training season. Yeah. So then for you, you have been building. I'm the opposite. I feel like this I'm last year. opposite of this plan. No, you, I feel like I keep seeing your Stravas and you've been doing, I mean, you've been doing a steady buildup even like before this marathon training cycle. Well, two point, the summer was tough, right? I, mean, I got COVID. Mm -hmm. August was a, was a well, complete yeah. disaster. So, I mean, that, that was, I mean, I was doing fine in like in, in June and in early July. And then uh, I basically had like a five week span of like, we went, we went, we went down to Disney. I didn't run. I was in Disney. I came back. I had COVID. So I was like, see you later. A whole month of training it was like, adios amigo. Like we're done here. So um, if anything, it was like kind of like the opposite. Um, <laughs> so. But there was some foundation there, right? I mean, and that's what you're kind of trying to build off of. It sounds yeah. like with this, right. the spring, with this the upcoming did, marathon. The spring went really well. The winter and yeah. spring, the training was really good. So I had, I definitely had like a, an up and down summer. But I think, but you're right. Like because the spring and summer went pretty well. Like I was able. I'm sorry. The winter and spring went pretty well. I was able to this fall kind of pick things up where not where I left mm -hmm. off, but able to build a little bit. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's kind of funny. I'm, I'm like all, right. all my athletes are faster than me, but I can. I can. I'm a master's runner now. I can. I That's can say that. <laughs> like hey, you know, grandpa. Grandpa's slowing down, but you all oh, can just gosh. keep going. <sighs> Ah, uh, well, that, that's great. So it sounds like you're approaching this marathon with the mindset of let's see what we can do. Is kind that of. What it it's it's more just like, like I'm, I'm going to ease into it. Like okay. the, the plan okay. is to negative split. The, the first 10 miles are going to be like easy to easy plus and then pick it mm -hmm. up as I go. Um, and then maybe we can even talk more about this uh, next month. But then I'm actually going to be doing my second trail race ever in November. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Which. Yeah. Can you one, that you might, like maybe one, one that you distance. may have heard of. And shoot, maybe you've even done this race for all I know. is actually the Upton Trail Half Marathon. Ooh. In Upton, okay. Mass. No, I, I have not. Okay. I so, have not run that many trail races. It's but. it's a good spot, man. So Upton is just east, just southeast of Worcester. If people mm -hmm. who are in the New England area, about 45 minutes, oh, I should say, a little over an hour from where I live. I actually went up and reconned the course about oh. a week and a half ago. So I drove That's up helpful. there. And so basically it's um it's a six point seven mile loop or whatever in the Upton okay. State Forest. So the half marathon is obviously just two loops yeah. of the of the trail. And it was really fun, man. It was like there were some fire roads that were pretty fast. There were some extremely technical spots, especially going up one of these hills. Holy cow. It was a monster hill and it was like I don't know how anyone runs up this. Like I I saw a, a, <laughs> I saw a Strava segment and it was like someone ran up this like 250 foot incredibly technical hill at like seven minute mile pace i was like this person must have been attached to a drone like how i don't understand how they could run up this um but that's every time i look at a trail strava segment i'm always like i don't understand this this is beyond me but um but yeah as basically it's like as every kind of trail feeling in it from the extremely runnable to the extremely, at least for me unrunnable and kind of everything in between um you know it's a half marathon I'll probably come in around between two hours and two hours and 15 minutes looking at like, mm -hmm. um, you know, basically looking at like what I did for like a training run and how, how I felt on it. Um, you know, basically I ran one loop of the course. It was a little over an hour on it and um, I wasn't pushing it super hard, but like, you know, I was at, at, at runnable spots. I was kind of trying to pick it up to see how it felt, but it was fun, man. I'm really excited. So this will be ah. you know, three weeks after the marathon. Um, okay. So That's I'll, great. I'll, I'll be if, if last year's CIM is any guide, like I should be totally fine. 
for that. So that'll be that'll be really fun. And I haven't I've only done one other mountain race, and that was the uh, Killington Mountain 10K. That was like in 2018. Okay. Oh, that's been a while. Yeah, that was. But a you've while been ago. running trails here and there throughout this year too. So, and it sounds ah, oh, I'm. Yeah, I'm excited for you for both races. It'll be so different, but it'll feel, I bet your body will feel so good um, being able to move in these different ways. And you're, you're while still challenging yourself, you know? Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm probably more excited for the trail race because it's, it's just, it's newer, right? It's, yeah. It's a, it's yeah, a newer yeah. thing and, and I'm going to be able to treat it like a race. Mm, okay. Right, like the marathon yeah. is going to be an adventure. Okay. It's going to be fun. I'm not, I'm not, not looking forward to it, but yeah. I'm more looking forward to the trail race because it's going to feel like, all right, I'm racing. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. You know, really try to get every ounce of myself out of this race. Where so I tra- approach the marathon like that, <laughs> might not end <laughs> the way I'm hoping. Let's touch on what you're doing before we do. Let's give a shout out. Sponsor Tracksmith just came out. We talk all the time about new clothing. So durable, stuff that we love. We're talking offline. I've worn Tracksmith stuff for years, and like the first thing I bought from Tracksmith, I still have. I actually wore the shorts today on a run. They they look exactly the same. Like I swear to God, if Armageddon hits, these will things will outlast PVC pipes and beetles. That's how <laughs> durable they are. They just came out with a, a, a running shoe, Tracksmith. So they are not out yet. Is there kind of like, they kind of like soft not not soft launch but they had some pop-ups uh at a couple of the big marathons at london and at chicago it's called the elliot runner i can't wait to get these shoes on my feet so you can pre-order them now at tracksmith.com but it's actually said you go to tracksmith.com slash love of the run so you can get five percent over to the asian mental health collective um but the elliot runner these shoes have exactly what people are looking for for daily running and for picking up the pace. Maybe these aren't a racer, but picking up the pace and daily running, a couple of big things here. They got the P-Bax midsole. P-Bax is the kind of foam that you see in all the super shoes, whether that's the Endorphin Pro 3, whether it's Zoom X or anything in between. That is the kind of foam. Every shoe company does a little bit, makes it a little bit differently, but that's the kind of foam that you see in super shoes. So they have that as the midsole. There's no plate or carbon plate or carbon rods or any of that stuff in there. It's just the P-Bax midsole. And then on the bottom, you have a gum rubber outsole, which has like two or three millimeters thick. Like it has some really durable outsole on the bottom, which is so on brand for Tracksmith, really, really puts out durable things. So you have this P-Bax midsole, which is going to be responsive for a long time that you can definitely push the pace in and you're going to have plenty of comfort. In addition to that, you have this thicker outsole, which is really good, not only in terms of durability on the roads, right? So you see, think of other shoes that like have that supreme durability on the roads, but you also, the way the lugs come, great for dirt roads as well. So if you're someone who likes to go on buffed out trails or you live in a place that have a lot of dirt roads, that's great running spots or dirt roads because you have to get the best of both worlds of being able to go fast, but has a little bit of extra cushioning on them. These shoes are going to be tailor made for that. So go to tracksmith.com forward slash love of the run to get not only get these wonderful shoes and some high quality attire, but also 5% of the purchase gets pushed over to the Asian Mental Health Collective, which has been our charity of choice here on the podcast for what, like nine months now? Yeah. Has it been nine months? Something like that. (laughs) 
Some, it feels. It's. It, I think it's. I think it's been about nine months or so. Maybe six to nine months. Anyway, go check them out today. Uh, I can't wait to get. We're actually. They're sending them. Um, sending us a few pairs of these, which I'm really excited about. Also, if you go over like Believe in the Run and some of the other shoe um, reviewers and stuff like that, they're starting to get their hands on them as well. So you'll start to see some some reviews of these shoes coming out soon. And I can't wait for it. So, Carolyn, how are you doing? I think we've we followed you in terms of like your your journey back to last time last time we talked to you you're coming back from like a knee injury and the doctor's like hey it seemed like a kind of a tenuous situation any any updates on like how it's going over there with that oh guys see now is the part of the podcast where if you don't want a debbie downer <laughs> combo this is where you just turn it off <laughs> and you switch to another conversation and continue your run. Um, well, so I think the last time we talked, it was more, I was rehabbing my left knee, which had a, uh, like a mild tear. And, um, and that has gotten better. I rested um, in the ways that I needed. I did the rehab strength training and was slowly um, getting back uh, on the road and doing shorter, um, shorter runs, you know, uh, testing things out. And um, I think last time we spoke, I had just seen the surgeon just to get like a third opinion to make sure there was no surgical intervention necessary. Um, and the surgeon told me, Overall, for longevity of me running, um, I needed to, quote, unquote, get really strong. And um, and my coach and everybody else, you know, <laughs> um, was telling me, yes, like, especially for for women ages 35 and up, like heavy lifting is the way to go. And that is how you um, really continue to maintain that lean muscle mass and that bone density and you know, build from there. So I'm like, yes, I am deaf. I'm all in. So and, get, get uh, <laughs> Disney Plus on, watch She-Hulk. Let's make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, another lesson <laughs> here where I think I just like, I loaded too much. <laughs> this is just like the roller coaster. I am, I think, the embodiment of what you should not do. <laughs> for her training. So I had assumed that I had a certain level of physical fitness because again, like I had been training to race a marathon, you know, in May. And it was just because, you know, COVID and then, you know, the month off because of that. And, and then subsequently tearing my meniscus <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Okay. There was a little bit of a setback, but I kind of assumed that that level of physical fitness was still there. But um, I don't know if it's just age or what. I don't know. But um, I think I overestimated my fitness ability. And so I was lifting, I think, too heavy for what my body was ready for. And um and I think the movements there, therefore, like the compensa compensatory movements that my body was trying to do then to um, uh, to lift this heavy weight, these heavy weights um, basically resulted in a tear on the opposite knee. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm laughing now, but I'm dying inside. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Now, um, I got another MRI. Oh, man. My health insurance company the, loves the people, me. The people at those places must know you by first name, right? Like, Carolyn's here. I've got, I've got like a frequent frequent flyer punch card. <laughs> oh, the 10th MRI is free. No, um, so... Got another MRI um, last week, and that show, that confirmed basically like the that my suspicions were right. I have another tear in my right knee, um, and I actually just had a consult with my sports doctor this morning, and um, he and I and my physical therapist have been working very closely together in the recent months, um, and so it just looks like right now I am. In this weird, I don't know, I'm in this weird place where, yes, I need to be strengthening. So I'm still working closely with my physical therapist. But at the same time, I need to be careful <laughs> at how much, um, how much and also like how, you know, like the methods that I am strength training um, because I can't, there's clearly a point in which my body will fatigue um whether it is after spending a certain amount of time you know weight bearing on my feet or it's like the actual load you know um that i'm trying to lift or to move um so for example like i took my dog on a two mile walk this morning through our neighborhood and our neighborhood is not flat um, but it's not like there's like a whole bunch of technical terrain or anything. But by the end of those, um, by the end of the two mile, you know, walk slash hike, my knee was feeling achy and um, that's not a good sign, you know. And so to my sports doctor, that is a sign, an indication that um, my body is, has reached its point, you know, of fatigue. So, so there's walking that fine line again of strengthening but not but not injuring re, or, or like further injuring and then at the same time um i think i'm going to get um another consult with another specialist to discuss um whether i should get shockwave treatment to help with the bone injury versus the plasma rich um What's it called? There's like the a certain PCP, in- yeah, plasma, yeah, yeah PRP, PRP, plasma rich yeah. platelet. Yes, that's I it. I don't know something you like that, right? Yeah, um, that would benefit the um, like the actual muscle tissue or yeah, the tissue a- a healing. So there's like like if money were not an issue, yeah, sure, <laughs> like I do all the things, but unfortunately that is not my reality, and um, I just. I'm in a place right now where, yeah, I'm just so tired. <laughs> I'm tired of being broken. Um, and I don't know. It's been rough, I think, mentally, emotionally for myself <laughs> at continuing to um, press on. And not that I'm saying like, I, I think there is a good place for um, focusing on what I can be thankful for. Um, while at the same time, like acknowledging what sucks and what is challenging, you know, um, I'm just kind of tired. <laughs> I'm tired of even that mental work. You know what I mean? So that's where I am 
Wah, wah, wah. I, I have a feeling that the preponderance of listeners know exactly what you mean and experienced <laughs> it or may even be experiencing it now. I mean, that, that's that's a lot. And you're talking about the physical stuff that, that's challenging and how you're working through it and the kind of steps you have to take and the uncertainty that's surrounding it. Um, and shoot, even with all of that being said, like there's obviously a mental component to that as well. When you're, you know, when you know when you're when the physical stuff goes, what, what do they say? Like a healthy person has a million wishes, but an unhealthy person has one wish, and that's to be healthy. And it's Aww, like so sad <laughs> and true. Gosh, I didn't mean that. I thought you, I thought you were aware of that one. I wasn't gonna I I did throw not. that out there. But it's like you know, it's, it's, we've all we've all been there at some point. But and obviously, like the, the physical stuff is important. But I know, like, for me, like, when that happens, like, I my, mentally, I go to dark places at times, and it can be a tough thing. I know you had a post yesterday on, was it Mental Health, World yeah. Mental Health Awareness Day? It's something along, along those lines. And, and you touched on a lot of that stuff. Uh, if you wouldn't mind maybe sharing some of that now. Yeah. So World Mental Health Awareness Day was, I think, on Monday. But that was also Indigenous Peoples Day. And so we spent, my family and I spent a lot of time um, honoring Indigenous Peoples Day and learning. Um, and uh, but yeah, I did. I shared a post yesterday just in regards to how um, I had in the recent few weeks, I didn't realize it, but I was kind of slipping back into depression. Um, and uh, I so context is, you know, I have been on an antidepressant since 2020, August 2020. I mean, I think a lot of people <laughs> got started on that in 2020, 2021. Um, but for me, like, because I, within our own, within my marriage, you know, um, I have seen the symptoms and signs of someone dealing with anxiety that leads to depression, you know, within, um, within my own husband. And I walked with him through that for many years. And so I was able to kind of tell, um, that I was experiencing some of the similar, some similar signs, which was like, for me, um, always feeling like I was falling behind, um, and failing at the different tasks or the different roles that I, felt like I was supposed to fulfill and was supposed to meet, you know. Um, and it got to a point where, like, I was slowly, like, never getting enough sleep or never feeling well-rested, even if I would have slept, like, seven to eight hours, you know, and constantly feeling um, feeling overwhelmed and feeling like everything required a lot of bandwidth and capacity, whether it was truly something – major or if it was even something like responding to people's emails or text messages. Um, every task felt like it was just so heavy and I just, I can't get to it yet, but I'm going to try to. And then, but I'm falling behind on all of these things that I need to get done and nobody else understands or, or nobody could really fully understand. I don't know how to ask for help. I wouldn't even know how to identify what I need help with, you know, and that kind of a feeling to the point where, um, I felt like I don't, this doesn't feel good. And it feels like I've been in this same space for a long time. Like initially, I think when I first became aware within myself of like, oh, like I'm just feeling 
life is just really hard and really stressful. Um, I think I kind of expected it to last like, oh, a week. Okay. And then that week kind of like continued to extend into two weeks and then extended into a month, you know, and, and then that's why like by late summer of 2020, um, because I had seen the signs of when my husband dealt with depression. Um, and one of my cousins is a, a therapist. I asked if he could just like over the phone run through like a basic mental health screener, you know, which is just basically a series of different questions, you know, to get an idea, objectively speaking, of like, you know, how many days a week do you feel like you're having a good day versus a bad day? You know, like, and it's totally like you are defining what good or bad is, but um, just even questions like that, like for that's what it took for me to realize like, oh, actually, I think I'm having like six out of seven days I would quantify as like a quote unquote bad day where I'm feeling constantly maxed out and overwhelmed and I'm like super snappy and impatient with my kids and family and um, and just that kind of like mental health screener. And by the end of that conversation, you know, he just gave me a very like, you know, informal diagnosis of like, I, uh, clinically speaking, I had like mild depression, you know, and, and then I followed up with my PCP. And, and that's when I got started on an antidepressant, which like, I'm thankful that for me, it seemed to take effect within that first week um, of feeling completely like night and day. Like I had, I had clarity um, in being able to keep a more accurate, I think, perspective of the weight of the tasks and of situations that arose during the daytime. It wasn't like all of my problems went away, but I felt like I actually had the capacity and bandwidth to manage and <laughs> respond um, and to like prioritize things, you know, and function. And so um, all that background to say that like in the recent month, you know, since, since school started and then since we launched Relay, and we've had a lot of exciting things going on. And I was hosting. I hosted my in-laws for two weeks. I also traveled out of town you know, two weekends in a row. And all of that basically disrupted my usual routine of, one, like when I take my medication, because I always take it at a certain time every day. Um, but then, two, I also, like, I see, I, I have my therapy appointments, um, every other week. And I also let that go by the wayside as well, just because of all the other stuff, you know, going on. Um, and, and that was the other thing, like I am high functioning. I am a, a person who has anxiety, but is high functioning. And so it also takes a little while longer for even myself to realize and recognize that there's something wrong going on internally, because I'm still doing all the things. You know, I'm still performing, I'm still producing, I'm still getting stuff done. Um, and and that's the thing with like high people who have high functioning anxiety, where I think there are two different types where like on one way to respond when we enter fight or flight, when we get that like fight or flight um, feeling is we flight, like we escape, right? And that's kind of, I think, the more classical um ideas that we have of, oh, someone who has depression is someone who is like in bed, can't get out of bed because there's just 
too much, you know, on their mind and like their house is a mess and they they don't see anybody, they're anti you know, like that kind of stuff. Right, they're That's, just in a shell somewhere. Yes, yeah. But then there's the other <laughs> version where when you face fight or flight, you're like fight mode. We're going to engage. We're going to take like face this head on, you know, and that's the high functioning anxiety in me where, yeah, like I feel like I have to do all these things because if I don't, then that's just going to like, I don't know, like there's no other way for me to respond. And so um, I think that kind of masked my, masked the depression for a little while. Um, But I started noticing like, especially with all of those big fall major marathons, right? Like Berlin and then London and and then Chicago. Like we, I had so many friends who were running each of those things. But um, I started feeling just this like suffocating sense of I can't even I can't even get onto Instagram to see everybody preparing for these races. Like it just became like too much. And then to have to like the idea of commenting cheering for you or like anything like that you know even something as small seemingly small like that became very like daunting and heavy emotionally heavy for me um so i just had to like i was like mia off of instagram um for a while too and um anyway sorry long story short all that to say i finally realized it was because i hadn't like been consistently taking my medicine um and it took a good 10 to 10 to 14 days of consistency again, even though, again, I've been I've been on medication for two years now. And I would have thought that my body was like pretty acclimated to things. But yeah, no, it took a good like almost two weeks before I finally felt like myself again. Um, and all that to say, I guess, like the same thing that I said in my post yesterday or whenever it was, <laughs> is that I, you know, it's I think in the same way that we especially as like runners, right? Like we talk about um, proper nutrition, you know, and fueling for our training and for our races, or like when we get injured, right? We go to physical therapy, we learn the proper exercises um, to to take and uh, to do, I mean. And I think in that same way, like with our mental health, like it's the same, you know? If we need, if we need external um, supplements, you know, like medication, to get to a point like to balance out um, the chemicals in our brain, you know, like then take it, then get it, you know. And if we are feeling like we are having more bad days than good each week, week after week, um, like it's worth just talking to your PCP even on getting a basic mental health screener, Um to see, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like we take it, we should be taking care of our mental health in the same way that we care for our like physical health too, you know? So yeah, that is where I am. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Listen, we've talked in the past about, like, you and I, our lives mirror each other in, like, a a shocking amount of ways. I went through the exact same thing in 2018. 
I mean, what mm-hmm. even down to like the conversation you had with your cousin was like exactly the same. Like the description of like even the simple tasks felt like so effortful. I remember that was 2018. I was working at Providence College at the time and like just responding to an email. It took all of my willpower, all of my yeah. energy. And it was like, oh my gosh. You know, but at the same time, like I wasn't in a shell somewhere, right? Where like someone on the outside be like, this is a problem, right? Like my wife, similar to similar to how you described your relationship with your husband, like my wife was able to pick up on things. Um but no one else was. And I was doing the podcast at the time, right? And I was like doing the podcast and I had a full-time job. Not that I was doing a good job because of everything that was going on, but you've got the two kids and everything. And it was it was just exhausting. And then, you know, as you were describing, it was like this, but it becomes like a negative cycle, right? This this carousel of like you're constantly behind and then you can never catch up. And then you're just constantly, mm-hmm. you just, all you want to do is step off. Yeah. But you can't. But you can't. Like, it's yeah. your life, right? Like, yeah. there's nothing to step off from, right? It's your life going on right now. And it's just, it, it was so tough for me. And I remember uh, the the moment that hit for me was kind of similar to what you described. Um, my wife's like, hey, Matt, come in, come in here for a second. So I walk over. I thought it was like, whatever. It's like the start of like a million conversations, right, that you have with your spouse. <laughs> it was like, there was nothing special about like the intro in it, but she's like, I just want to ask you a couple questions. I just got a little thing here. I just want to ask. I thought it was like an online like BuzzFeed quiz or something. And she's like, and it wasn't. It was a, um, it was a symptom. No, it wasn't questions. It was like, I want to read a list to you and I want you to, to mm. tell me what you're, what you think after I read you the list. Right. And it was a list of symptoms of depression from like, a, I think it was like, a, like the Australia.gov site or whatever. And it was like a list of like 15 to 20 things. And she's like, how many of these things like do you recognize in yourself? Or how many, you know, how would you, how do you feel about this list? I was like, I just feel like you like read my freaking biography is how mm-hmm. I feel. Like every mm-hmm. single thing that you just mentioned, I'm feeling. Like there wasn't one exception. It was every single thing. I was like, this, I couldn't have written up a better list than this. And I was like, oh boy. Like, I really have to do mm. something about this. Like, this is a big deal. And exactly the way you described. And I never went on medication for it. Um, for me, counseling was enough. Um, mm. But, mm. You know, we're all That's different. Great. You know, and mm-hmm. we all have different seasons of our life, too. So I'm not going to, I'm not making a comparison there. I'm just like trying to, I'm just telling the truth of what my experience was. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I went and saw a therapist. was seeing them weekly for a long time. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was exactly the way you described it. And it's tough. And it's like oftentimes, especially in when we have like uh, people with active lifestyles, you hear stuff like, oh, running is my therapy type stuff. And right, I think right. that they're, I think movement obvi- is certainly therapeutic. Yes. Right? Certainly. Yeah. Like right. there's no, I would never discount it as a therapeutic endeavor. With that said, it's not an all encompassing therapeutic endeavor and it's not a silver yeah. bullet solution to a lot of this stuff for the vast majority of people. It's a positive thing, right? But it's not the only thing, right? Uh, certainly. And for me, it wasn't even close to the most impactful thing. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you for, for sharing all of that. And I, I, I'm right there with you. So much of what you described. And for those of you who are listening to this, we did not have this conversation offline. We're not just rehashing it here. <laughs> like I was able to feel as you were talking, like this is exactly how I felt 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember you posting a little bit about things around that time too. 
and it resonated with people, you know? And I think that that goes to show there are a lot of us <laughs> in general in, in the population. I think more of us than we might think um, do struggle with different aspects of mental health. And we just really need to be talking about it more, to normalize talking about it more and to normalize encouraging each other to um, to get help in the ways that we need. And just like what you were saying earlier, like what what you needed is different than what I needed and which is different from what my husband needs, you know, um, everybody's needs are different. And that's all the more reason why, um, we should be more open in, in conversation and talking about it in the same way that we're also open about sharing, like running tips and what works best and like what, what products are best. Can we like one day get to a place where we're like, my medication is best. <laughs> Well, you, one of the things you mentioned, though, was <laughs> it really hit me as so impactful. Is like, even if you knew, even if someone come to you and said, what can I do to help? You're like, I don't even know what I could have told that person. Right. Sometimes yeah. we're like the worst judge of our own experiences sometimes, you know, and that that's exactly how I felt. Like I was lucky enough to have a spouse who noticed what was happening to me. Like, and I'm sure I was snapping at yeah. her and the kids and all that. Like, there was probably a million red flags. And if she had said, like, just said to me, like, hey, and I appreciate the grace with which she approached me with this. I know. At the same I'm time, so like, impressed. Like, you know, and, and you know, she just been like, I think you're depressed. Mm. I don't know how I would have taken it. I, mm, I, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't become like enraged or anything, but I might not have been as open minded as I should have been. I've, I honestly have no idea how I would have taken it at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. It could have gone yeah. a variety of different ways. Yeah. Um, and not, and I'm not trying to suggest it would have been like all bad things. I don't, I certainly think that the way she approached it was the absolute best way of approaching it. And I probably wouldn't have been as savvy Kudos enough to, to do her, that really. if it was mm -hmm. roles reversed. Um, but like not, not everyone has someone like that. Right. Some, some of us live alone. Right. If I, mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. had happened to me in my mid twenties, there, there was no other person. I was living by myself in an apartment, right? Like who, who would have I vocalized that to? And even during that experience, I was like, oh, it's just because I'm working a lot or it's just mm -hmm. because I'm tired or it's just because, mm -hmm. oh, I just need to sleep more. Like maybe I should do meditation or, you know, it's just these kids are driving me crazy. Like who wouldn't be frustrated when you have to tell your daughter a million, that's the same thing at 10,000 times. She's 10 years old now. I still have to tell those things 10,000 times. I just approach it differently. However, I could, I could have and did come up with a million reasons yeah. why I felt the way I felt. Yeah. Except for the fact that there was one big reason why I felt the way I felt. And I, I wasn't either experienced enough or savvy enough or sometimes you just need someone else. And I think that's I think part of the reason why this conversation is important mm -hmm. is you may know somebody, speaking to you, the listener, who is going through something like this, but doesn't know it. They're just seeing the superficial side of it. They're not seeing what's happening underneath or... We might be talking to you and maybe you're experiencing something like this. And don't be afraid to talk to people about it, especially people who love you because they want to help, um, even if they don't know how, right? But sometimes just bearing your, your soul or maybe you're like, hey, I was talking, I was listening to Matt Carolyn talk and they were talking about some things and maybe I should do some research and look up some of this stuff and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think talking to a therapist is good, even in good times, mm -hmm. to say nothing yep. of doing it and when times are on the tougher side. Um, yeah. you know, I don't, I, I'm not seeing a therapist right now. It's not because of, you know, 
I'm against it per se. I just, for me, like at my time with that therapist, he, he actually, he moved. Him and his wife moved to moved to, to the West Coast. And I was like, well, do you think I need to find a new one? He goes, I don't think you necessarily do right now. He goes, but mm-hmm. as long as just keep an open mind. And if you do, mm-hmm. you know, then then you'll find a new therapist, right? So I think uh, you know, it just kind of came to a natural conclusion that at what happened mm-hmm. to be the right time. But um, thank you so much for sharing this, Carolyn. I think it can be impactful yeah. for a lot of people. And, and it really brings me back to those days. And they were tough. And I also look back on it, too, with like my my lack of ability to properly assess my own situation. It's like just astonishing after the fact. Like, how could I not see this? But it was almost like the boiling frog thing where they turn off the, yeah. yes, the, the, right. the hot water a little bit by a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit. And then all of a sudden the the, the, the water's boiling, yeah. the frog's still in the pot and never jumped yeah. out. It has that yeah. same kind of feel to it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Which is why I feel so strongly about our our charity that we give to, you know, through Tracksmith, the Asian Mental Health Collective, of just the work the work that they are, and any other, you know, mental health organization, nonprofit mental health organization does in trying to not only bring awareness and education to the general public, you know, about mental health and different mental health issues, but also then providing accessibility for for people to um, to get the help that they need. So, absolutely. So go to tracksmith.com slash for the love of the run to go get some cool gear maybe the new shoes maybe pre-order the new shoes five percent <laughs> is going to go to asian mental health collective if you're really serious about supporting asian mental health collective just go to their website and support them like you know you need to shoot yeah. if you want to buy through tracksmith great but if you <laughs> really want to help them there's probably more direct ways of giving in addition to supporting tracksmith in our podcast as well um you know it also we should say you mentioned Relay. I mentioned Relay before. Some cool stuff is happening on Relay. It's our Patreon um, site, which we got nine people in it. Carolyn and I are two of them, in addition to some friends that you may know, like Kafuzi, Marcus Brown, Lindsey Hines, Zoe Rome, Stephanie Flippin, Kara Goucher. It's an amazing crew of people. Some good stuff is out there on that site as well. That's patreon.com forward slash Relay. Um, I want to give a shout out to, Lin- to Lindsey Hines. Called her shot. She had Emily Sisson Yay. on Relay before Chicago talking to her before (laughs) she set the American record go over there and check that out that is for sure Um, also I should say in a week and a half Carolyn Sue is going to be part of the book club the live book club with Lindsay Hine and Carrie Gouch before we get going Carolyn talk to us about that because that's that is the thing that people are most excited about (laughs) I'm I'm the most excited about that as well (laughs) Um, so this month's book we're reading is Can't Nothing Bring Me Down. Um, and uh, it's about a woman who lived through the civil rights movement. She's gone through a lot of hardship herself. Um, and you're just gonna have to read it to find out more <laughs> about it. But she's also a runner. She became a runner at the ripe age of like 69 or something. <laughs> and she's like made two world records since then. So we're going to have our first uh, live book club the last Monday of October on the Relay Patreon page. So if anything, and it's going to be with Kara Goucher and Lindsay Hine. <laughs> so Such if good anything, stuff, people. Such good stuff, it, people. Subscribe. And, and we're yes. taping it. And we're taping it. So if you can't watch it yes, live, yes, you're yes. not going to be out of the woods. I mean, you're, you're, not gonna, you're, you're still going to be able to see it. You do have to subscribe to Relay in order to do it. However, this is going to be so much fun. Also... We should mention 
This is a book that's on Audible. If you're listening to this, I know you love audio stuff. Go to Audible. You can get it over there. So it doesn't have to be, if you're someone like, I haven't read a proper book in years, <laughs> but I listen to 10 or 12 books in Audible every year. Well, you can, you can still be in on this. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Hope you can join us. There you go, people. What better way to end it than that? Thank you so much for listening and happy running.